Hey, podcast listeners, um, tuning in with everyone, checking in, giving some updates on um, what I said I was going to do last week, which was discuss um, how things are going with my kids through the transition and everything else. Um, so I know I mentioned a few weeks ago that I was able to introduce the children to my partner, um, shortly before I moved out. Um, for those of you that haven't heard the whole story, um, I'll give a quick recap, which is, um, I've been dating the same person for, um, about two and a half years, um, and my children were never allowed to be introduced. Um, I don't even know if I've gone over everything, but I mean, as soon as I started dating this person, accusations started flying my direction about how my ex was receiving um, anonymous calls um, with no one speaking, um, that she was receiving letters in the mail, which were never shown. Um ever. Um, she was claiming that my partner was calling businesses and, um, harassing and threatening the businesses. Um, and to a degree, um, it almost worked and it almost separated me from my current partner. Um, and the original agreement when we separated was that the children were not to be introduced to any romantic relationships for at least a year, which I at the time thought that that was very reasonable, um, you know, on, on both parts, on both sides. I mean, how you could prove how long someone's been dating someone, I don't really know, but, um, you know, I was, I was okay with that, but um, throughout that year that gave her enough time to devise a plan to, um, basically throw a bunch of, you know, unchecked accusations out there, um, against my partner. Um, and then COVID happened. Um, I got blocked from my children at that point, um, unless it was on her terms and I had to go to the window to even see my children and speak to them through the window, um, for birthdays, for holidays. Um, I missed a lot. Um, and that whole time I'm speaking to them, trying to say hi. Um, it's just reinforcing to them that even their own father is unsafe to be around and that they can only lean on and rely upon their mother to keep them safe. Then I'm gallivanting around, have a roommate, um, all these, all these crazy things that who knows what was said. Um, but I know there was a lot of, uh, you know, either direct or, um, very covert manipulation happening. Um, even when I had the children before COVID happened, I would have them in my house, which I had to fight tooth and nail for. Um, there was a constant dialogue of um, being unsafe. Um, every time she would call them, um, she would demand to speak to them in the morning, demand to speak to them at night because she wanted to be the first thing on their mind in the morning, the last thing on their mind at night. 
Um, and the whole time kind of saying, are you okay? What's wrong? What's wrong? Are you okay? Are you safe? Um, if you feel unsafe, you can call me. Um, you know, and this has been a constant thread. I mean, even going back to my messages with her was kind of like, please stop saying that I'm unsafe. I'm there other, you know, I'm the other parent here. Like there's two parents and I'm the father and I can keep them safe. Um, asking them constantly if they're unsafe is, um, you know, really dangerous to their relationship with me. Um, of course it doesn't matter. Um, part of me doesn't even want to say anything because if she knows that it's upsetting me, she's just going to keep doing it because, you know, there's enough wiggle room in saying things like that to say, well, I just want to make sure they're safe. I'm just a caring, um, concerned parent, you know? Um, that's the thing with, with narcissists in general, they, they typically have ways to word things that if they're called out on it, they have, they have a pretty, um, legitimate excuse or an easy out as to explain, their behaviors and dismiss your concerns, um, and make you feel, um, you know, stupid, uh, basically <clears throat> not as smart as they are. Um, it, again, it's, it's, it's been a, a constant theme that I've had to kind of tiptoe around, um, to try to find the best angle to, um, keep my kids safe and to, keep them confident in the fact that I can be there for them and be a safe haven for them. Um, and I think it's coming around. Um, so fast forward to where we are now. I mean, we've gone through court, we've gone through this whole thing. Um, she fired her lawyer to, to delay me, um, gaining access to the kids overnight. Um, with my partner, or at least to introduce me to my partner, I had access to the kids at the marital home. Um, but I was still not allowed to introduce my children to the partner due to COVID restrictions and our original agreement stating that, um, no third parties would be allowed around the children. Um, so therefore, um, I did agree to that because I knew it was a temporary thing that was going to get resolved. I just thought it was going to get resolved sooner than it was. So, you know, shame on me for that one. Um, I knew better, but I didn't really, I don't, I don't really know how else I would have played that because it was, um, something that the judge was, um, okay with and thought that it was, um, reasonable. And if I was to, debate or argue that I would have come across as unreasonable. So I was kind of backed into a corner at the time, but times have changed. COVID is a thing. We can't keep the kids away forever from my other life, which is pretty much what I was living. Um, the strain it's put on my, my current relationship, um, throughout COVID and everything else has been really, um, a hard thing to balance and we've had to keep a very open dialogue and discussion. Um, and even then it still gets heated. Um, because although we see each other's perspectives, it's just still really hard. Um, and it still is damaging, um, knowing that I'm spending time with my partner's children and they love me and I put her daughter to bed at night, um, and everything else to, 
not even have met my children was really difficult for my partner to kind of deal with and cope with and understand. Um, I'm sure there was feelings of inadequacies there um, or feelings of, of um, insecurity <clears throat> of me exiting the relationship and everything else, which put a ton of strain on us. Um, I mean, these are all, you know, fallouts of what a narcissist can do to somebody, the, the aftermath, the effects. Um, but yeah, so fast forward, I finally got, <clears throat> after she fired her lawyer and really couldn't delay the process any longer, I, um, she got a new lawyer and I mean, her new lawyer basically told her the same thing, like you can't really debate this. And, um, we put in our, our new address, which is, you know, above, uh, my partner's home. Um, she owns a home and she has an upper lower type situation. So we have our own apartment with, you know, kind of a duplex type thing. Um, so we're linked together, but we still have our own space, which is really good, um, in a lot of ways. But, um, once we put in the address, I mean, her lawyer was basically like, yeah, you can't, you can't fight this. You're going to have to let them meet. So the day that court happened, um, they basically said, yeah, you can do this. And then the next day I ended up introducing the children. Um, that brought a lot of anxieties up in me because there's so much fear of how are they going to react um, how scared are they going to be? Are they going to say, I don't want to meet, I don't want to meet him. I don't want to meet him. Um, my younger son didn't even want to talk about my partner or her kids when I would try to discuss it or bring it up. My older son was a little bit more open to it. Um, I think he's just, he's a peacemaker. He's just kind of like, yeah, I'm okay with it. But I think deep down, I think that there's still underlying issues. I just think that sometimes he doesn't feel comfortable, um, talking, about things because he's, he's, he's in it. He's so far in it, um, with my ex that she leans on him. Um, and I think puts a ton of pressure on him. And I think avoidance and peacekeeping is his only way to kind of survive right now. And it's hard to see his personality shifting, not only into, you know, being a, a teenager now, um, but, you know, getting this added pressure, um, from the separation because she's leaning on him to do tasks and chores and all those things that used to be my responsibility at the home, like moving the goal lines and, um, do the laundry, do this, do that. And then when you do all the things, there's always something that wasn't good enough or you drop the ball on the trash because you were doing the laundry and the dishes and, you know, just the ridicule. I'm sure, I'm sure he's, he's getting, um, is just overwhelming for him and he's, he doesn't know what to do and I'm, I'm sure he doesn't know what to do. So I'm sure the last thing he wants is, is more conflict with me. Um, but he has been acting out. Um, he has these, he's very calm and then he just gets real snippy. Um, which has been happening a lot. I feel like more and more, um, a lot of it's, uh, geared towards his younger brother. Um, and it's really hard to see because his younger brother is just pretty, still pretty innocent when, with a lot of this stuff and just trying to love everybody. Um, 
And I think that there's a lot of damage now that is just kind of residual from top down, um, from the narcissist to my older son. And then from my older son, um, you know, it's kind of like a job. If you, if you're getting it, if you're getting shit from the top, you know, shit rolls downhill. And I feel like the shit's rolling downhill onto my younger son, who's very innocent and very loved. But I think that he's, you know, getting the wrath of my 13 year old sometimes, um, unfairly. And so then having to address those issues with him, um, so that he doesn't feel attacked by his mom and his dad when it comes to him picking on his younger brother. Um, it's hard. Um, I do address it as best I can in a loving way. Um, sometimes I lose my temper too. Sometimes I still have PTSD symptoms. I still have, um, massive amounts of triggers that I'm still trying to work through and, and get my grip on. And so it's like, I'm calm, I'm calm, I'm calm, I'm calm, I'm calm. And then I can snap too. And it's scary. It's scary to know, like when you can start to get out of a abusive situation and you start to realize that no shit, I'm still not in control. I'm still not in control of some of these thoughts and these emotions and, um, you know, you do everything you can to, to, you know, kind of tame the beast inside and try to <clears throat> find all these wounds, um, and try to heal them. And it just takes time. Um, I know it takes time. I know it takes a lot of energy. I know it takes a lot of focus and attention, um, to address these things. Um, and you have to really listen to yourself and get in tune with your emotions and, and, I know it sounds stupid. It might not. I mean, you might understand, but I mean, as a man, I wasn't taught that as a child. I mean, I think some children are, but I think a vast majority of men, especially in um, our country, in America, anyway, are not taught to be in tune with their emotions. Um, so when I'm hurt, it comes out in anger. When I'm sad, it can come out in anger. Um, if I'm depressed, it can come out in anger. Like that's how a lot of men deal with things. They just, you know, they just get snippy and short and don't look at the underlying issues of, of what, why, why am I feeling this way? Why am I feeling that way? Um, so that's my own little side rant. But um, coming out of an abusive situation where you're just psychologically damaged and you carry the guilt and the shame of so many different things. And um, now now it's turned from guilt and shame to to fear of my ex, um, fear to call my kids when they're with her, because I I mean, the ridicule um, they might receive for being on the phone for too long or um, if my children had the phone on speakerphone, um, her overhearing our conversations and, and taking some kind of offense or passing judgment on my parenting style um, that's, that's generally, well, it's never anything. It's always nothing. It's, it's, it's a constant, you know, blame shifting, blame game, um, finding the faults. Um, <clears throat> so it's, it's, it's nerve wracking. So I was, I was terrified. Um, I'm getting sidetracked. I'm sorry. I was terrified introducing the kids 
Um, and when I did, um, it was awkward for like the first couple minutes we bought food. We met at a park. I know I've said this on another episode, but, um, not in, in as much detail, but, um, there was so much fear there. There was so much fear of like, what are the kids going to say to their mom? What are the kids going to feel? Are the kids even going to be open to these people because of their mom? Um, because of their, their preconceived notions of what, you know, brainwashing has been done. Um, what words have been said when I'm not around, um, what feelings, what's, what thoughts do they have before even getting a chance to meet my partner and her daughter? Um, it was awkward. It was quiet. You know, we, there was a bunch of ducks there. Uh, we brought bread to feed, not bread. Um, I don't remember what it was. Um, Cheerios. We brought Cheerios. Um, to, to feed the ducks. Um, and the ducks just kind of always hang out there at the park. Um, and the kids loved that. Um, and that kind of loosened them up a little bit. Um, then we ate food together and that kind of loosened them up a little bit more. And my younger son was like, I want to go play on the playground. Um, and so they went and played on the playground together. Um, he wanted me to come with him. So I did, um, which left my partner and my 13 year old sitting together for a while. Um, as my younger son kind of started to create a relationship with, with her daughter, um, cause they're a year apart. Um, I started to loosen up. I started to feel more comfortable. I kept kind of peeking and turning around and looking at the park bench where my partner and my son, my older son were. Um, and I could see him like using his hands to like talk. So he wasn't just sitting there quietly and zoning out into his headphones like he normally does. So, um, that, that really took a lot of my fears and anxieties away. Um, when I could see them actually interacting and talking and, and getting to know each other. And it was just like, holy cow, you know, this is amazing. Um, that's all I've ever wanted for like, you know, a year and a half since I, you know, since we hit the year mark. Um, even before that, I mean, even when I first met this person, I, I was so excited to introduce them to my kids. Um, you know, so, uh, to be able to finally do that after thinking about it and visualizing it and focusing on it and really kind of creating ways to make this happen. So I don't have to live a double life and still kind of be handcuffed by my ex narcissist, um, to be able to finally get that relief was just such a weight lifted off my shoulders that is, is un, it's unbelievable. It was a great feeling. <clears throat> there wasn't much said about it afterwards. Um, I mean, they played together for a while. Then we, we went our separate ways and my older son was, um, he was happy. He was fine with it. My younger son, um, had a blast. Um, it's like they speak their own language to, together, um, him and, and my partner's daughter. Um, and so then, you know, that was right around when I was moving out. I was only a week away or so from when I was moving out. Um, we had one more weekend together. Um, and then it kind of flipped on its head when I had um, that last weekend at the old house. Um, my partner was in a migraine and she asked if I could 
um, let her daughter come over. Like she wanted to come over to, to have dinner together or something, um, just to like, again, be there, um, and kind of slowly integrate. Um, she was in a migraine. So she said, um, asked if I could, I let her daughter come over for a couple hours. So we did. Um, my older son was fine with it at first. Um, and then at some point he got real weird and I don't know exactly what it was. Um, when I went to talk to him about it, um, I think he was just being very sentimental and I think he had plans that he was hoping to do on our final, um, time in the old house. Um, and he, I think he felt a little ambushed by having, um, this other child there, um, that he wasn't fully comfortable with yet. And I think he was feeling forced, like he was feeling that I was trying to force him into saying like, this is your new family, which I, I, I did not do. Um, but I think that these are ideas that are being implanted, um, you know, because it just didn't seem like something that a 13 year old would think. Um, maybe some of them were his own thoughts, but then, um, they were given a voice by someone else. Um, I, I can only assume that, that the, the ex was, was kind of implanting some ideas in his head. Um, cause it just seemed weird. Um, and you know, at one point he just kind of was like, well, I didn't think she was going to be here this late. I thought she was only going to be here for a couple hours. And it, it, it had been about two and a half hours. I was like, buddy, it's only been about two and a half hours. And he goes, well, I just don't know we ha why we have to be babysitters. Why are we babysitters for this person? Like, I don't even know this person. Like, I don't want to be a babysitter on my last weekend here. And he got real snippy and mean. Um, and I was just kind of like, whoa, whoa, hey, slow down. You know, and, and so then I started to get reactive and, um, I don't remember what was said, but we did have a, a little heated discussion. Um, I ended up taking, um, I was like, if you don't want her here, then we'll take her home. And so then we took her home. Um, and I guess he had contacted his mom during that, um, via text message. So he was in another room texting her about updating her, what was going on. So that really kind of set me off. Um, and, um, it's just kind of like, you know, I don't want you in the middle of this. Please don't put yourself in the middle of this. Um, you know, if you have an issue, I would really appreciate you coming to me with it. I want you to feel comfortable with me. I know that's been a running dialogue as to if you're comfortable, if you're safe, if you're comfortable, if you're safe. I was like, I am safe. I, I, I am, I can be safe. I can keep you safe, but I want you to be comfortable too. And I, and I don't know why this dialogue keeps coming up of, are you safe? Are you safe? Are you comfortable? Are you nervous? Are you scared? Um, you know, which I probably went too far because I was like, your mom says that to you all the time. And he's like, no, she doesn't. And I'm like, dude, I hear it. I hear it on the phone. Every time she calls, she's asking you what's wrong. What's wrong. What's wrong. It sounds like something's wrong. And eventually 
you just get sick of her saying what's wrong. And so then you just give her some reason you might not even feel it. I don't even know if he's like, yeah, sometimes I don't feel it. Sometimes I don't feel like anything's wrong. And then she just says it so many times. Like, I feel like I have to give her something. I was like, don't give her something. Tell her it's fine. Everything's fine. Like, (laughs) um, so that's been a thing that sucks because now I feel like I'm having to counter parent and moves and counter moves, which is putting them in the middle of it. But I don't know how the hell to do this. I don't know how to do this. It's hard. I'm doing my best. Um, I'm doing my best to keep their mom's name out of the middle of it because every time I do it, it's, it's not good. Um, but it's so hard to not just like call it for what it is and having to speak in riddles and having to be like, if this happens to you and a person does this to you, that's not right. You know, without directly calling out the mother, um, you know, so, so I'm, I'm still struggling with it. Um, and then we moved in, um, my partner came up, her daughter was here. Everything was, was good. It was good. It was a good day. Um, they went around the neighborhood a little bit and met some of the neighborhood kids that always, there's like a a group of kids that have hung out since quarantine. There's about five or six of them that all hang out together and, um, good kids. Um, a little wild, but, um, yeah. So they met each other and, um, and my son told me that he was afraid um, to to do that. And I asked him why. And he said, well, the only rule mom gave me was that I wasn't allowed to be at anyone else's house. And I wasn't allowed to meet any other kids. Like, that's the only rule she gave me. And I didn't follow it. And I'm just kind of like, well, buddy, when you're with me, your mom's rules don't apply. Like, I, I'm the one that can kind of give rules. And if I say it's okay and that these kids have all been safe and their parents have been safe and I know all their parents, like this is kind of our group. This is kind of our, you know, quote unquote quarantine, if you will. Um, it's, it's fine. Um, and he said, yeah, I know you're telling me it's fine, but that doesn't mean that I still can't be punished when I get home. And that just kind of broke my heart because I could see the fear in his face because he was struggling with if he should be honest with her, um, if she asks him if she should be on if he should be honest with her or not, um, and it's just it's it's there's a lot of her overstepping her bounds, her boundaries as to what is um, her role when the children are with me. Um, but I think that it is really scary for him right now um, because he doesn't know what to do to, because it's not about anything realistically, but keeping his mom happy so that he doesn't get in trouble. Um, so that's kind of the new struggle. Um, and simultaneously, I'm trying to make him feel safe here. So they both, both the boys were able to pick out which room they wanted Um, and we, you know, moved in everything, um, that, that night, that first night was difficult too, because, um, of all the other shit I talked about last week, um, 
on my update about the non-clean house and having to go there last minute to clean up the house. I had just got into this new house, so I didn't have time. It didn't afford me the time to get this house set up the way I wanted to upon um, pickup for the boys. Um, so I had to go over to the old house to get it finally cleaned up or double check that it was cleaned and all this other stuff happened. So I wasn't able to get the beds up for the boys the way I wanted to. So when I had them the first day, we were still moving stuff upstairs. We were still, you know, cause I had all my stuff the night from the move in the basement. So I was still moving stuff upstairs. I was still bringing up their beds, uh, putting their beds together. Um, and my partner was helping me with that and everything was fine. Um, then the mother called at the end of the night and he told her that we, you know, my partner was still up here. Um, and then it just kind of got weird and, and, and it was fine up until then. And my son was totally fine. My 13 year old was fine. And then all of a sudden he comes in the room and he's like, can I talk to you in private? But he still had my ex on the phone. And I'm like, mm, you can get off the phone and then we'll talk. I don't, I don't want to be part of a discussion between you and your mom. I don't think that's safe for you. I don't think that's safe for me. Um, he's like, oh, okay. And then he walked away. Then he came back and he's like, okay, I'm off the phone. I was like, okay, let's go talk. And then he was just like, I just don't want them up here anymore. Like, this is weird. Like they're not my family. And I'm like, what do you like nobody said they were your family. Like, where's this coming from? Like, this doesn't seem like you, you were totally fine, you know, before you got on the phone with your mom and now you're not. And he's like, I know, I know my mom, it's always about, you know, my mom, like I don't have my own thoughts, but you know, I, I clearly saw the difference in his, his behavior and his patterns and his thoughts pre and post being on a phone call with his mom. So how am I not supposed to, put two and two together on that. Like, I'm not a fucking idiot. Like, I know she's saying shit. I know she's doing shit and she's still controlling his mind. And it sucks. It sucks so bad. I feel so bad for him. I feel so bad for everyone involved because this, this narcissist is still controlling my son and she still has the ability to punish him when I'm not with them. And I don't know what to do about it. Other than giving love, giving space, and doing my best to put him in a situation that he's comfortable with, um, I don't need to. I don't. I don't need to do anything different other than show him love and everything else. Like we we picked out his room. Like I told him, uh, you know what color do you want your walls? And he's so agreeable about everything. Oh, the color of the walls are fine. Really? Well, we need to repaint the wall. So if you really like this color, we can buy the same color paint and do it again. <clears throat> but if you want a different color, let us know. We want this room to be your safe space. Like this is your zone. Like this is your area to be comfortable, to be happy and not have to worry about the outside world. Like this is, this is where you can come to relax and know that everything's going to be okay. You know, like I kept reiterating that, like, I want you to be comfortable. I want to create a space for you that's personalized for you. Like write a list, write a list of all the things you want, write a list of like, if you want things on the walls, if you want different types of tables or something like that, like if there's an idea that you have, like if you want a certain like dresser or something like that, like let's figure it out. Like I might not be able to buy it all at once, but like, I want this room to be your zone, like your place where you can feel 
at home, you know, and I keep saying it and I keep saying, I keep reiterating it. And I think he does feel safe with that. And my partner has also reiterated the same thing. She's like, I know this is a tough transition. So I just want to make sure that you're safe and that you feel comfortable. And we want to create something for you that's special because you are special, you know? Um, and I think that means a lot to him. And I think he's viewing the situation more different and he is becoming more comfortable. And I think just giving that voice and saying these things to him, um, you know, with love and sincerity is starting to change his perspective on being here and feeling secure with me. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty much the majority of, of that part. Um, not last week, but the week before last, I was sick, which sucked. Um, I don't know where it came from, but I got sick from, well, I think it was from my partner's daughter. She got sick, then I got sick. Um, well, she got sick, then my partner got sick, then I got sick. Um, then I was sick when I had the boys, and that sucked. So we basically lost a couple days of not really doing anything, which was really hard on them. It was really hard on me. I felt really bad about that. Um, and then I went and got, as soon as I dropped them off, I went and got COVID tested just to be on the safe side because I knew that the kids would say something to her about me being sick, which they did. And then she texted me and said, I heard you were sick. Are you going to get COVID tested? Blah, 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 blah. Um, basically taking like kind of, it's it's not that she's asking me. It's not that. It's that. There's, there's almost like a teacher's voice, like a parent voice, like, you know, that, you know, COVID is still a thing and that COVID, you know, that the, the numbers are rising in this area and that area, you know, that we're not vaccinated, which is stupid. I don't, I don't know. Well, no, I shouldn't say stupid. It's, it is what it is. They're not vaccinated. I'm vaccinated, whatever. I'm not, this podcast is not about political discussions or anything else. So um, or your right to do whatever. So, um, <clears throat> but, um, as far as, as far as, uh, as far as like, you know, the sickness goes and everything else, I knew that I would be, um, kind of lectured, um, or whatever. And it, it's just irritating when I have to hear it, when I know it's coming. Like if you're in a relationship with somebody and you know, you're kind of predicting it's already going to happen. And then when it does, it, I feel like it, that makes it like 10 times more annoying. Um, <laughs> so I got, um, I, I basically scheduled my COVID test right after I dropped the kids off and I went and got it done got the results back, emailed them over to her. Everything's fine. Um, then the next week I had the kids last week and my partner's daughter was, um, had like really bad seasonal allergies, real sniffly. So then she got like congested. She kind of got like a head, head cold type thing, um, headaches and stuff from, from being congested from like seasonal allergies. She gets it every year. Um, and we knew it was nothing, um, I did still want to keep the boys kind of separate from her just in case. Um, but we were like 90% positive. It was nothing. There's always a small chance that it was something. 
um, or that it could evolve into something. So we were still being safe about it. Um, then I got a, an email this morning from my ex basically saying, um, I was just told by the boys this morning at breakfast that, you know, your partner's daughter was sick all weekend when you had them last time. Um, we need to come up with a plan, a sickness plan, because this is two weeks in a row now and this can't happen, blah, blah, blah. As an unvaccinated family, we need to keep ourselves safe. The only things we're doing are outdoors events and activities and blah, 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 and just kept going on and on. And I just said, it was seasonal allergies. Um, please do not make this into something that it's not. But then she also had to throw in that, um, you know, this has been reported to her counsel. She sought counsel about this and it will be discussed further if I do not wish to discuss it with her. Um, I mean, throughout COVID and everything else, I didn't get sick once. This was like the first time I've been sick in any way since COVID started. Um, so I think I'm okay. Like I'm still being safe. I'm still doing the same shit I always do. I still work from home, still being safe. Um, you know, sickness kind of sometimes just happens. Like there's a lot of sicknesses. Um, COVID isn't the only one, you know, I mean, whatever. Um, but to want to have that as a soapbox to try to leverage me being sick and then her daughter having seasonal allergies, try to leverage that into more control over what happens here. Um, I'm not even entertaining the thought. I'm going to mention it to my lawyer um, and just say, hey, listen, this is what's going on. Just know this is what happened. It, you know, let's just be as dismissive about this as possible. There's no way that I'm going to agree to her having any more control over what I do. Um, like that's not her job. So, um, I'm not going to let this distract me from the other things, items that are on the table of, of issues that need to be discussed in court. Um, which is what, um, narcissists are really good at doing. So, I mean, that's a warning, um, for anyone that's going through that or will be going through that. Um, there's a lot of distractions, a lot of, uh, threats. I mean, even, even the, I'm going to be, you know, discussing this with my counsel or I, I've already brought this up to my counsel. Um, you know, like threatening that it's like a, it's like a subtle, threat of intimidation or something. I mean, maybe threats a little bit of a strong word, but when it comes to a narcissist, a covert narcissist specifically, um, threats are never, the threats aren't going to be open. There's always going to be, they're always going to be or, or direct. They're always going to be open. They're going to be open-ended so that there's always an out to say, well, I was just saying blah, blah, blah you know, which, which we all fucking know that's not what was going on, but you know, whatever. Um, you know, these, these intimidation tactics of like, you were sick for two weeks, you're not safe. Just like I've been saying, you haven't been safe, like trying to drive home some point, um, that isn't even a point. I mean, COVID has been going on since March of 2020 where we live. Um, that's when we went on lockdown was March of 2020. I mean, we're almost into 2022. Like we're approaching, you know, almost a two year mark at this point. It's been a year and a half, you know, a little over a year and a half. So, uh, I mean, I got sick once for like 
three days and it sucked, but guess what? I didn't have COVID. Like there's nothing to, there's nothing to discuss with you. So this is just more ongoing battles. I've got to pick up the boys here. Um, in about, I got to leave the house in about 10 minutes. So I'm, I'm going to wrap this up now, but, um, yeah. So I mean, all in all, um, there's still a lot of really a lot of TLC that needs to be done. A lot of, a lot of focus, a lot of focus, a lot of energy focused on the boys and making sure that they're feeling comfortable and they're feeling safe and that they're feeling open to talking to me about things if they're not feeling safe, um, and not running and going to their mom to tell them things. Um, so that's where I'm at. Um, but all in all, like, you know, a major hurdle has been crossed. We live here. Everything's good. Um, everything's safe. Um, and I think the boys do really like it. I think the boys do like the new place. I think they're happy here. Um, they like the house. They like the feel of it. They like the vibe. They like that they can kind of personalize their rooms. Like they're, they're, they're happy. Like, and, and my younger son has a built-in friend downstairs. Um, so he can kind of get socialized a little bit and, um, I think my older son really is connecting with my partner too, um, until the mother gets involved until the ex narcissist gets involved. That's when, um, things get a little hairy, but we're kind of touch and go. Um, you know, we don't want to get too in, you know, integrated yet. We're still at the introductory phase. I know it's only been like three or four weeks now. So, um, yeah, but we're going to make it, we're going to make it, we're going to make it work. Um, and just, you know, it's going to be a week by week thing. It's going to be touch and go for a little while here. Um, but yeah, um, hopefully this was informative. Um, hopefully my scenarios might've even, um, conjured up something that might be going on in your own life or has gone on, or maybe it gave some recognition to something that you've been kind of battling with. Um, you know, or, or just kind of, uh, another way to view some of the things that narcissists do, um, that maybe you might've not even had your eyes open to. Um, but on that note, I'm going to go ahead and, um, say to everyone, have a good week, um, stay safe. And, uh, I appreciate everyone for your love and support, um, your emails, um, they're always appreciated. Um, and if anyone has a story to tell, like I've said a few times before, um, and you want to come on to discuss, um, feel free to reach out to me and, uh, we'll see if we can make that happen. All right. Goodbye.